Welcome to the Drive the Bid podcast brought to you by AutoHunter.com. Hello, guys. How's, How's it, going? it going? Not bad, not bad. Jeez. You guys? Good, <laughs> good day, good, good weekday. It's a well, weekday, right? It's a Monday? It is oh, a Monday. Yes, it is. Excellent. Yes, it yep. is. So this is the first official Drive the Bid podcast. We are the official podcast of the AutoHunter.com online auction site. I think we'll get into that in a little bit for our first episode here. We want to tell everybody who Auto Hunter is. But first, a quick introduction. My name is Brad DeSantis. Seated with me are Jeff Sutton. How's it going, guys? And Derek Shakey. Hey, hey. Excellent. Uh, we'll do a little uh, who we are and why we're here after we introduce you to what AutoHunter.com is. So... Jeff, what is AutoHunter.com? Yeah, so AutoHunter is an online auction, and obviously the main reason we're here. And I think the most important thing to know in the this current day and age is what differentiates us from some of the other competition that's out there. And that would be that with our online auctions, when you come in, everything is handled by an account rep that is assigned to you when you come in for the auction process. So that means you have somebody that's going to go ahead and give you a call, ask you questions and details about your vehicle and walk you through from start to finish um, throughout the auction process. So it's very personal. It's very easy just to work that together and really, you know, get that through. And obviously, um, Derek here is one of our writers, um, on the team that has very personal and very connected stories for each and individual vehicle. You want to talk about that a little bit, Derek? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm the, uh, editor of the, uh, auction listings. I've got a team of guys that, uh, write, uh, write them as well. And yeah, you know, uh, Jeff and the account reps gather information. They get pictures and videos about the cars and uh, get it all compiled. And then me and my team put that together. We cover the exterior, interior highlights, any sort of modifications or repairs, vehicle history, things like that. And we also let the uh, potential bidders know uh, the things that come with the vehicle. So, you know, service history, uh, removable body colored, hard top, any sort of memorabilia that goes with the car. Excellent. So yeah, I think the big difference is the customer service. And that's what we strive for here is that every, uh, every every sale gets an account rep and every account rep is available by phone. So I know some of their other competition who shall remain nameless doesn't do many phone calls. There's a lot of emails back and forth and but that might work for some. But I think that for us, the big thing is to remember that we have the account rep available at phone. Oh, sorry, by phone, anytime you need to get a hold of him during the business day. And they can make pretty quick adjustments to any listings or answer any questions or just take care of whatever you need. So they're, they're pretty good. And as far as the articles go that, I say articles, that Derek and his team write, they're basically like a magazine article about your car. So it's a neat little little touch where they talk about the history and of your particular car, that particular model. And it's 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 interesting reading. And even if you're not looking to buy or sell a car, it makes an interesting reason to look at our website and just read about the available cars and, and learn facts about the cars from those, those quote unquote articles. So, right. Yeah, there's tons of super interesting information, and obviously every car has its own story. Um, in addition to that, we actually offer reserve and no reserve auctions as well. In addition to having just been purchased by Barrett Jackson, which is always a super new and exciting up and coming uh, method that just requires, you know, what does the future hold for Auto Hunter? I think really. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very exciting to be purchased by Barrett Jackson, be part of the Barrett Jackson family because they are such a well known name in. 
auto auctions. Well known is an understatement. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> they are one of the one of the top names in auto auctions in this country. So it's uh, exciting to be part of their team and, and see what the future holds. So yeah, and it's it's definitely a conversation starter because you know we've been at events uh, recently, uh, the Bear Jackson auction and the concourse in the hills, and you know we're obviously there to spread the word about Auto Hunter, but. Um, you know, we're, we're relatively new and it helps to be able to say, oh, well, we were purchased by Barrett Jackson because that gets the ball rolling instantly. Yes. Yep. Of, yep. of anybody to be purchased by, that is the, the one company that you would like to be purchased yeah, so by. Yes, I think it was a good move. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what the future holds, but it's all looking up from here. So. Yes, absolutely. So with that, you mentioned we actually had a booth at Barrett Jackson. We did. I think ago. we're getting ahead of ourselves, though, because I think we should probably introduce who we are. Because this is the first podcast, and nobody knows who we are, other That's than just point. our quick name name check right there we started. So, Jeff, why don't you start and uh, tell the people who you are, why you're here, and what drives you to be a car enthusiast? Uh, right. So, obviously, um, I think like most people, I was just surrounded by everything. I grew up with mostly 60s and 70s muscle. Um, and then from there, I started going astray, started getting into trucks, Euro, uh, JDM, just kind of fascinated a little bit by everything. Um, in my free time, started doing lots of automotive media, mostly focused on the video side with TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all that type of stuff. Um, so really, I've just always had an interest in everything, um, whether it's working at AutoZone or working on own cars in my spare time through college, and then now to obviously being to work for an awesome company like Auto Hunter in the online auction space with Barrett Jackson, who I used to grow up uh, watching the auctions on TV with my dad. So to me, that's a very sentimental thing that comes from the heart. And obviously, you know, now just a diehard automotive gearhead. So would you say that you're kind of an all around automotive fan? You don't have a definite one favorite thing. You just kind of appreciate all all the automotive sphere or most of it, I guess nobody can appreciate all of it. I guess most of it. Yeah, no, I love everything. I think the most clear example of that would be, I grew up working mostly on my dad's 1973 Corvette and learning to drive that. And then all of a sudden I ended up with a 1984 Porsche 944. So it's crazy how that switches and you never know what you're looking at for your next car. Sure. And it's the same era, kind of late seventies, early eighties. There's a little bit of crossover there. Yeah, especially going off the 944's history. They're both rear-wheel drive, two-seat sports cars, the pop-up headlights. Right, so it yes. Works. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've pigeonholed you into just the rear-wheel drive, two-seat, pop-up headlight sports car guy. <laughs> You're never going to shake that one, Jeff. Yeah, oh boy. Nope. It's fine. Nope. And uh, if you do follow uh, social media, obviously, autohunter.com has social media on Instagram and Facebook. But you can follow Jeff at Jalopy Jeff on most of the social media. I think you're on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram with that name. Yep, that would be it. Excellent. Uh, he follow his uh, photos of cars at car shows and his trials and tribulations as he works on his 944. Yeah, those are interesting when it's not catching on fire. They, then it varies. <laughs> we all have our stories. That's why we're here. All right, Derek, what uh, what brings you to the world of automobiles? What, what's your enthusiasm? Enthousi- What's your enthusiasm driven by? Uh, well, you know, uh, like Jeff, uh, it started when I was young. Uh, I just remember going with my dad to buy like you know, classic American cars, you know, early Mustang convertibles, post-World War II GM trucks. Uh, but, you know, it's my experience has kind of been all over the place because that was a formative experience. And then when I was old enough to drive, 
I drove Japanese cars, you know, uh, 89 Cressida, rear wheel drive, um, uh, Integra sedan. And then, um, you know, when I got older, I uh, was lucky enough to get into the automotive uh, industry and get access to press cars. So I've reviewed a, a ton of uh, late model vehicles. And um, now I'm here at Auto Hunter learning a lot more about vintage vehicles. So a little bit of everything. Excellent. We'll have to get you some vintage vehicles to drive as well, so you can uh, learn the learn the vintage vehicle rope again. I mean, you started actually. You said in '80s sedans, so you definitely have a little bit from back then. But we'll get you maybe some '70s stuff and some '60s stuff to cruise around in for a day or so and just learn and photograph and video and do all your stuff. So sounds good to me. Where can they find your content on the internet? Internet. Oh, okay. So uh, this, I took some inspiration from one of my favorite movies, There Will Be Blood. So my uh, personal outlet for uh, car review videos on YouTube and uh, Instagram is There Will Be Cars. I like it. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Uh, also, it's kind of an interesting topic in this day and age where the the talk of the dawn of the death of the automobile is is on the on the topic of people's on, the, on people's brains now i should say people are talking about electric cars and self-driving cars and all that but you know what but that's no matter what happened every decade but know what there always there will be cars that's so right I think, I think it works there will be cars <laughs> yeah, whatever cars. they're powered yeah. by <laughs> listen see people still ride horses so people always have cars and that's what we're here for as car enthusiasts is to put that message forward i think so uh, myself, my name is Brad. Um, I come from a very similar story, growing up with my dad and learning all about cars from him. He has been heavily involved in the vintage car community back in New England, where I'm from, just north of Boston. He has a small collection of collector cars, and he has since I was a child. He's been involved with running car shows, running auto auctions. He currently runs a Concorde d'Elegance in Massachusetts still. Uh, he has still has... Most of the cars I grew up with, there's been a couple that have changed, but most of the cars that he buys, he uh, says he adopts. He owns them forever. <laughs> and I've kind of taken a bad influence from him as the same. And I have my own collection of vintage cars now. And some of them I've owned for the better part of half my life. So I don't tend to get rid of things either. So I am mostly interested, much like Jeff, I grew up with muscle cars. My father also has a C3 Corvette. He's had it, it's a 1980, and I think he's owned it since 1984. Oh, wow. So he's had it for quite some time. He also has a 67 Camaro that he's owned since 1972 or 73 or 74, early 70s, and he still has to this day. And because of that, I wound up with a 1968 Camaro because of him. But when it came time to kind of become my own car enthusiast and make my own taste while well, I still love those cars and I still do own that Camaro. I kind of switched to a lot of foreign cars as well. Uh, I was always interested in the 944s like you have. I've never had a 944, but I've had a round of RX-7s, which I think is probably the Japanese equivalent of a 944. Pretty close anyway. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Also Mitsubishi Starions, which I always have at least one of lying around because I'm a glutton for punishment and because they're also kind of a Japanese 944. Yeah. Um, I also have been into other old Mitsubishi cars that were sold in the United States as Dodges. They had rear-wheel drive cars in the 70s called Dodge Colts, and that became kind of my niche. I don't really understand how or why it became my niche, but in learning about the cars, I just fell in love with them, and they just kind of became my thing. So if I guess if I had to say what cars I've always had, it's 
I'm a Camaro guy by birth, and I'm a Mitsubishi guy by choice. With a side helping of Toyota Cressidas. I know you started with a Toyota Cressida. Oh, yeah. I've had three or four of those as well, so I definitely have had some Cressidas in my life. So. Wait, Brad, are you my dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about three years apart, so there's some biology there we had to figure out, so no. But I do, uh, I do enjoy a good Toyota Cressida. I currently have a 79 and an 81, so... They're always around, but that's who we are. Uh, as far as my social media, I also do another podcast for the past six years called Auto Off Topic uh, with my childhood best friend who's equally afflicted with the uh, the car disease. Uh, AutoOffTopic.com is our website. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those places. And my personal Instagram with all of my photography is TSISS350. So we've gone over who we are. We've gone over what Auto Hunter is. So who we are, what we are, what are we doing? What's this podcast going to be about every week? I think we're going to do some event coverage, and we're going to do some coverage of cars that we may have for sale or have sold, some highlights. I don't want to just sit here and run down a list every week with you guys, the cars on the website, but it'd be good to point out a couple of them, I think, yeah. we want to talk about in particular. Um, but I think this week we should probably start with the fact that we just came back from Barrett-Jackson, the actual Scottsdale auction, the big to do the one they all wait for all year and it was the 50th anniversary this year so it was it was a big show yeah oh yeah it was yes. a big show i think it was just shy of two what was the number two Ooh, i'll have to look it up what like overall, about. Sales or overall, overall sales overall sales overall sales was 190 million something yeah, like was that a, it, was yeah. a, it was an no, amount of number that none of us probably was, understand. Think, was that just car sales, or was that including? You know, I I don't know. We have to look that up. We have to make make a correction for next week because I don't know that answer. Which yeah, for those of you that don't know, Bear Jackson offers both memorabilia and yeah, car sales. I, I think that options. was just car sales, but nonetheless, it's 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 a number that I don't quite fathom. It's not. Really That's in my a purview. lot of cars. Yeah. Yes, a lot yes. of cars and a lot of money changed hands. But yes. What. Uh, what did you take away from Barrett Jackson auction, uh, Derek? What was what was your your takeaway? We we, were, we had a booth there where we talked about what Auto Hunter was and got to talk to the people and shake some hands and hand out some flyers and stickers. And did you have any uh, any memories from that show that you wanted to discuss with the crowd here? Or oh yeah, I mean uh, we've uh, talked about it before. Like oh, it's uh, Disney World for for uh, car enthusiasts and. It's definitely true. I mean, there's a lot of sights and sounds, a lot of energy in there. Um, and, you know, people make a day of it because there's just so much to see, whether you're on the auction floor or you're seeing all the cars that are, you know, uh, queuing up outside to go up on the block or just the static displays. I mean, it, it's you'll see cars that, you know, you've always loved. You'll see cars that, you know, you'll learn to love right on the spot. Like you right. see it for the first time and you're like, oh, wow. And then there are cars that you had no idea even existed. I mean, there was yeah. some uh, yes. giant like uh, old Volvo off-roader that somebody put massive wheels and tires on. And, you know, it's I mean, I'm learning something new every day just being with AutoHunter.com. But I mean, there you you see it in person, you know, right up close. Right, which I think a lot of what attracts people to those in-person auctions is like you mentioned, it's like Disney World. So they have thrill rides. They have probably over, what do they have, 1,300 cars plus? Yeah, um, I think it was only 1,500, yeah. 1,500, yeah. Um, a ridiculous number of cars, like uh, Derek mentioned, everything from stuff you see all the time to stuff you never see, to even supercars. They had McLaren P1s, even the hypercars, like the 918, and obviously the P1. 
um, for GTs to everything to R107 Mercedes Roadsters. It's an amazing show, really. Yeah, that off-road Volvo that you were talking about was with the yellow one? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a Volvo TP51, a 1957. Uh, it was like a Swedish military kind of vehicle from the 50s. Oh, okay. I um, can believe it. And it was converted into a modern off-roader with, again, it, it's a, it was a show car. I think it was built for the SEMA show, actually. Oh, wow. So it's got, you know, super expensive leather inside and big chrome aftermarket aluminum wheels. And I think it had like a... 37 inch television in the back seat so it was <laughs> it was a little over the top ridiculous but it definitely was certainly certainly a sight yeah the, i believe it comes with a playstation so if you're having difficulty getting one there you go you just buy, just, the, just car. buy the car just buy the car i think it's sold for a couple couple million dollars so uh, no, that's yeah. fine the details <laughs> perfect they're just numbers yeah they're just numbers i do know that it had a 620 horsepower 572 big block Chevy in it instead of the 90 horsepower well four cylinder it was built with so why, yeah why wouldn't you have a it was Chevy? it was a neat truck and it's one yeah. of those things that really shows you the different that the variety of cars that are available there yes. I mean from from stock restored muscle cars to full pro touring style modern builds to pickup trucks on low suspension with air ride which is my current favorite kind of thing, and I really want to build one. So it's definitely a site for, site for everybody. Well, it's I think it's interesting also that it'll change every year based off, and you'll see some of the car culture stuff. For example, one of the things that stuck out to me that I haven't seen at Barrett-Jackson before was the fact that there was the Porsche Cayenne that was built for overlanding, okay. right? And overlanding is something that we've seen in recent years becoming much more popular. A lot, yeah. Right, right. It's, it's funny because you can go to the SEMA show in usually in November in Las Vegas, which mm-hmm. is the, the aftermarket manufacturing like trade show right and you can see what the current trends are and a lot of those vehicles inspire a lot of the builds that you'll see throughout the year at these auctions or at whatever your local car show is so Mm. you can definitely see that trend of what's new and hot coming across starting in november and going through january and then continuing on the rest of the year so i think the overland builds are going to be probably for the next couple of years you're going to be seeing more and more of them done with vintage trucks with modern running gear and decked out to spend a week and a half in the woods away from everybody except for gas stations obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, just bring a lot of jerry cans <laughs> yeah a lot of jerry cans i've i've done that uh, overlanding thing in the past and we did i think it was 500 and some odd miles on dirt roads but oh, wow. we did have to find our way to the pavement in order to uh fill up every day or so so it's part of the journey yeah, it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the, don't get too lost because you run out of gas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, Jeff, what did uh, you take away from the show? Anything? Uh... So, I think the most interesting thing to me, so back to, it's a show. Um, some of the people that we talked to at the booth um, were coming from literally everywhere. Um, so, I talked to people that wanted to sell cars with us from Alaska, and I talked to people that wanted to sell cars with us from the East Coast. And so, obviously, a lot of what we sell on Auto Hunter is mostly U.S. stuff. Um, we do have the occasional Canadian cars come through as well. Um, so, that's where a lot of our cars are based out of. But we've also sold cars to outside of the U.S. and Canada. Sold oh, yeah, cars for sure. To Europe, New Zealand, I believe. Japan. Um, yeah, yeah. Italy. So, I think it was just a reminder South of America. how global, you know, some of the online auction things and just where some people come from. Everybody's interested in cars at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Everybody so. involved in this world certainly is. And yes. the world gets smaller and smaller every day as the internet gets more and more people connected. Gosh, so, yeah. it's so crazy. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, I'm not from here 
and you're not from here. We're right. both we're both imports into Arizona. Actually, all yep. three of us are imports into Arizona. Oh yeah, be careful but how loud you say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> from different places though. So, but you and I grew up on opposite coasts, right. and we have people that we know mutually through the internet. Yeah, that's so wild. It's it's one of those things that because we're into cars, and that's what drives all of this stuff. It's what drives the podcast. It's what drives the the auction sites, the live auctions, the car shows. It's just that common enthusiasm. You can. I've, in my experience, it's been very easy to make friends through cars. Yes. Especially with the internet. You know, oh, I, yeah. I moved all the way out here from the opposite side of the country and I knew probably five or six people in town before I even landed here. So it just, it just becomes a very small world. And now we get to trade cars between that whole entire world because of the internet, because of online auctions. So that's cool. So I, it was my first Barrett Jackson. I had never been to a Barrett Jackson auction before. I've been to a bunch of other branded auctions just by chance, never went to a Barrett one. It wasn't by design. It was just where I was at the time. Uh, a couple auction houses that don't exist anymore. I used to go to their auctions every year. Um, I was blown away by the sheer scale of everything. Well, you started with the auction. Scottsdale is <laughs> Well, I, and again, I, I've been to, to vintage car auctions. I've right. been to, you know, two, 300, 400 car auctions. Right. I've never been to a 1,500 plus car auction that goes for an entire week and has vendors and factory manufacturer support. It was a Chevy tent and a Toyota tent and yep. Acura. Um, I don't even remember who else was there. Dodge was there. Dodge, Ford, Chevy, and Toyota all had thrill rides. And, yeah, and they had huge presence with like the cars they had on display and just seeing these cars that I've learned again through the internet, um, just sitting there for me to like walk up to without ropes around them and look at, mm -hmm. obviously we don't touch them, but we look at them, touch them too much. They stop putting up ropes. So <laughs> back off a little bit, but I mean, I was blown away by walking in and seeing the carbon fiber Ford GTs and the concept Fords and their SEMA build electric F 100 pickup truck. And then I walked a little further, and the opposite scale of an electric F100 was the Hoonigan-built third-gen Camaro with a 672 big block sticking through the hood. Like, it was just a wild experience, and that was the first 200 feet of walking into this building, which is right. a huge hangar size, warehouse size. I don't even know how big the building is. It's enormous. I worked at the auction in our booth for four days. It wasn't until the third day that I even ventured outside of the tents or outside of the building and saw how much stuff was even beyond that. Just more vendors and all these people you see on television, like uh, Ken Diggett Designs had a whole trailer there. And not only did he have a trailer there with his cars, but he was standing there shaking people's hands and saying hello. Yep. I mean, that oh, kind there's of, tons of celebrities. But yeah. that, that kind of stuff is just like, it's wild to me. You know, I've watched his show sometimes. That's not my favorite show, but I catch it now and again. Um, Steve Mignante also was yep. there, and he has one of my favorite shows where he goes to junkyards, and his the, the knowledge base this guy has of automobiles is a, he's an encyclopedia with legs. He's amazing. He walks up to a car, and he can tell you production numbers off the top of his head. It's, it's crazy how much knowledge this guy has. And again, he just was like, hey, what's going on? Shake his hand. Have a nice time. Like, talk to him like a normal person. And that kind of blew my mind. I, they were Hollywood celebrities. I don't care about that. I all care there about some the YouTubers, Tyler Hoovey. Um, uh, who I yeah, think he was doing there. some bird stuff. Yep. yep. So I just was starstruck by the automotive celebrities and the amount of them that were there and all these things that I just follow online and see online. I'm like, wow, it's really neat. Yeah. And then just for them to be 
in the same building with me for the week was kind of cool. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. It, it was. It was a pretty wild, a pretty wild event, and I definitely look forward to doing it again next year. I'll put it that way. Oh and, yeah. And that's the thing about it. Like you know, going into it, I was like, oh yeah, it's a giant sale. It's giant. It's a giant auction. But I mean, the more you see of it, the more you you know, just hearing your description of it and seeing what all is there. I mean. As cheesy as it sounds, it's more than just an auction. It's a lifestyle event. I mean, people go mm-hmm. there and just make, you know, a few days of it or a week or whatever it is, you know, and then, yeah, you know, it's meeting celebrities, me- meeting like-minded people, you know, it's not just to go there and spend money. Sure. And it's definitely an event, like you said, like a lifestyle event. I mean, they even have dinners and stuff at night sometimes, and they have these panels where they have discussions with people who are in the automotive sphere that have just a discussion about their ideas and what the future is going to bring and telling the tales of the past and the history of the past. And it was just, there was a lot going on there beyond the sale. And I think that's what I didn't expect having gone to these smaller auctions where it's just, you go, you get a day or two of sales. There might be a couple of vendors and then you go home and it's over. It wasn't this whole experiential thing that I got by going to the Barrett Jackson auction, which I might sound like a shill right now. I'm not. I'm just, no. I was truly, I was truly blown away by what happened when I walked through the doors just because I wasn't expecting that. Right. And so to reinforce your point and not sound like a shill, um, one of the most exciting things is when you think about a new car, you think press release, right? And then how yep. many people go to press release? Just journalists and maybe some lucky people if you work for the company, right? And then sure. here's Barrett which has Z06s. I'm not sure how many people have seen a Z06 in person for the C8 I don't think anybody yet. saw a Z06 it, that was not at a press release right? And beyond the people that went out to Barrett-Jackson. Right. So Barrett-Jackson not only had several Z06s to look at with no ropes, yeah. yep. but also auctioned VIN number one yep. of the Z06 for charity. Which is cool. I, I, right. I never understood those charity auctions either, really, until until this, this year when I kind of got a little more involved in it. Right. And, was there for the excitement of the bid to the number of ridiculous proportions with $3 million it sold yes. for. Yep. So, which again, it's charity. So it's, it's a tax write off. I'm sure that makes that, that makes it make sense, but I've never been there for the excitement and the noise and just the whole thing. It's, it's, it's pretty intense. It's pretty. Yeah, intense. there's not a whole lot of camping there, but it is pretty intense. Yes. yes. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to let, let that slide. <laughs> I'm going to let that slide. I'm the only one here with kids. I'm supposed to make the dad jokes. <laughs> Anyway, oh, I, I had I had a great time, and I would not hesitate to go back. Um, I just I to me it was a big car show mm-hmm. with famous car people. Some cars that I'd watch have, I I had been watching being built on the internet, and then to go there and see the car in person was kind of a trip. And I didn't even get a chance to go into the thrill rides. So I know Dodge is out doing drifting events. And I went and sat in the C eight. They're ridiculously fast. Yeah. And those guys know what they're doing that are out in the test course. I imagine. Yes. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine the insurance that they didn't know what they were doing would be too expensive to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what surprised me was I was thinking beforehand, like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of stimuli, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of sound, a lot of cars. And I thought, well, you know, maybe uh, I'll be desensitized to, you know, cars for like a day or two. And then I walked like 15 feet and I'm like, oh man, look at this. <laughs> like, it yeah. just never leaves. Some people told me that going into it, that it's like, it eventually it becomes a job because you're going to be they're working a booth mm. but I, I don't know i i just i am so into the automotive thing yep it's all i know that's why i'm sitting here talking to you guys about it it's why i work right. for this company that's why i have the cars i have i don't know how to do anything else sure sure did i watch the super bowl it happened to be last night i did mm-hmm. 
I was most excited about the car commercials. The first, <laughs> the first Toyota commercial with that Celica parked in their driveway was amazing, and that's all I cared about the whole entire time. I was super excited because there was a first gen flat taillight Celica in a commercial in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't know how to do anything else. I often wonder what people who are not into cars do with their free time because I don't know what to do other than play with cars. That's yes, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Actually, it's it's a very consuming hobby depending on how you want to get into it. A hundred percent, and. That's no disrespect to the casual hobbyist. If you're a right. casual hobbyist, if you're just a little into it, that's great. That's just not my thing. I don't know how to. I don't know how to dial it back. Well, and that's you know one of the beautiful things about this industry, uh, and I'm sure it's this way with others, but I, I know it for a fact with this one is there are so many levels on which you can get into it. You know, you uh, as a journalist, as a, uh, you know, you can work in fleet operations or for one of the OEMs, or you know, I mean, there's just so many different facets and ways into it yeah for sure and even if you don't work in it just being in it there's a most towns probably have a one night a week cruise night car show which is a casual parking Mm -hmm. lot gathering where you can go look at cars and i know here we're based out of phoenix and there's countless ones you can go to all year round which is part of the reason we all live in phoenix i think oh yeah i mean car culture brought me here for sure because i grew up in the snow and growing up in the snow where you park your car for, I want to say six months of the year, but sometimes it's like seven or eight, depending on the, the salt schedule and the snow schedule and the ice schedule. It's just nice to be able to have a vintage car and drive it whenever I please. There's no, there's no reason not to. It's just, it's nice out. Sometimes it rains. Well, almost. overheating can be a thing in the summer. I mean, honestly, not much Depends more than anywhere else. Yeah, not much more than anywhere else. And a well-maintained car should be fine. So As long as you're moving. It, which is fine. But when you think about it at the end of the day, it gets to be, what, sometimes 115 here? A little more than I would like it. Yeah, well, for sure. Definitely more. But what, yeah. what temperature does your engine operate at? Higher than that. Correct. So what does it matter? Cars overheat in the winter, too. I know. I've experienced it. So... Yeah. Yeah. The car runs at 190 to 200 degrees. So the ambient temperature isn't as much of a factor as you might think. It does get hotter with the uh, island heat effect, they call it. The heat coming off the pavement does make it hot and it does wear out rubber components and tires faster than anywhere else I've ever lived. Yeah. But it's definitely not as big of a factor, I think, on overheating. Yeah. So. To counter your hey, argument. We're, we're, we're way off topic now, but go oh, ahead. Yeah. Auto off topic? Gonna, no, I know. <laughs> I was just going to point out the a human operating temperature is significantly less than 115. Correct. Which is why we're sitting inside the car with the air conditioning on. When your car's air conditioning is working. So, yeah, that's an important thing here with the vintage cars is to make sure you have a vintage car with air conditioning. Otherwise, you also have to park it for a certain season for a different reason than in New England. Yeah. So the the flip side of it, it gets hot. So for the sake of getting back on topic. Yes. You guys have a favorite car at Barrett. 100%. What was it? There was a cutaway 1969 Uh, Camaro. That was nice. That was built by GM for the World's Fair or Motorama or one of those things in the 60s. And every component of the car was cut away. You could see they cut windows into the engine. They cut windows into the transmission. They cut the fenders in half. They cut part of the hood apart. They cut the whole subframe out of the front of the car. It had all these cool mechanical things that it still did. Um, It had a motor that lifted the whole car up. The hideaway headlight RS doors still opened. I mean, the drive shaft would spin, so you could see the gears spinning and stuff. it It was super cool. And then next to it, they had another front clip of a 69 Camaro in the same 
color, but with an inline six with the same kind of windows cut into it so you could see the differences in the V8 and the inline six. And it was super cool. I don't know who bought it yet. I'm hoping it's our local museum here because they have the cutaway 67 Corvette on display in their museum. And it'd be cool to see them side by side. But that was 100% my favorite car. Again, going back to my roots as a Camaro guy, that was... There was nothing more I was excited to see, and when I went to go see it, the owner happened to be there, and he saw kind of my giddy excitement level, and he invited me behind the rope and to crawl around the bottom of it and look underneath everything and kind of get an up-close-and-personal look, and I uh, couldn't I couldn't thank him enough. It was it made the whole week worth it yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good one for sure. Um, I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of uh, judgment here uh, on, the, sure. on the spirit of technicalities. Does okay. it count as a real car? It had, two, it, had a VIN. it had a VIN number and two miles on the odometer because it was driven to off the assembly line to where they cut it up. No way. Yep. That's okay. See, that makes it even cooler. And yep. if I'm not mistaken, I think they had like vintage photos of people checking out the cars. They had photos of it when right. it was on display in 1969 and they had photos of it being built and they had photos of it in storage wow. and they photo documented its whole uh, I don't call it a restoration. It was like a sympathetic restoration because it was right. mostly original still. Mostly original paint, original interior. He had to do a lot of cleaning and he had to redo a lot of the chrome stuff. So It was done very well. It was done it very was really well. Nice. And he was very proud of it and rightfully so. But he moved it on to a new owner this year. So I'd like to find out where it wound up so I could see it again. But it was... It gave me goosebumps, put yeah, it that yeah. way. Well, fingers crossed for the, uh, the local uh, museum here. It would be cool if it's there. Yeah, absolutely it will. I'm sure it'll surface online somewhere. It was in storage from, he said, like 1972 until like 2000 and something. So it kind of was just hidden away from public forever. So let's hope it doesn't happen again because unfortunately, when it comes to some of these higher dollar cars, sometimes they wind up in a collection and you don't see them again until someone decides to sell it again or Mm -hmm. unfortunately somebody passes on. So let's let's hope it's not the case with this car, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? Favorite car? That's tough. I'm going to need a minute. Um, Derek. Derek, favorite did car? Did you have a favorite car? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I've always loved the looks of the uh, the C3 Vets. And uh, it, it. I guess this is a car in general. I mean, I just, they had some of them on display and I, I just couldn't not look at them every time I walked through. I mean, just the lines on them. Uh, they had a, a white uh, convertible with a red interior. That in particular was just, such a such an eye magnet sounds like we need to find Derek a c3 corvette that would be pretty easy if only there was an online auction where we they now you sound like a, now you sound like a shill well, that's my bad it's almost like i work for them a creative right. shill though <laughs> okay um ha, so did you have your minute to think of what your favorite car was yeah well see okay here so back to the car guy thing for a sec it's, it's so very hard, hard to pick to a favorite pick car one. yeah you if that camaro wasn't there I would not have been able to it's give you a single favorite one, car. Right? Yep. So it, it's got its perks. Um, so for the sake of having some interesting facts, because it made me think about it, so I'll, I'll pick this car. They had a 2020 Ford GT Carbon Series. Sure. Okay? And now that sounds very generic because they've been in production since 2017. Sure. Right. But the reason I want to point it out is because <laughs> Ford made everyone that bought one of those cars new sign a two-year contract from Ford to not sell the vehicle for two years. Correct. So... That being a 2020, especially the carbon series, which means it's lighter weight, it's got the carbon wheels, um, it's got the special carbon stripes. In this case, this car was black on black, so black with black carbon stripes. 
So kind of interesting if you want that stealth or murdered out look as you hear it described sometimes. But what's more interesting is that would mean that car would be the newest Ford GT that would be available for resale. And so that's why it's 2020 appearing in the auction. So you would okay. never see a 21 like Heritage Edition or something come up yet. Correct. Until the next year. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I didn't think about that until I'd seen the car. And I was like, oh, well, these are 2020. Who cares? And then you go, oh, wait a minute. This is the newest year of Ford GTs that can be sold. Excellent. Well, that's a good choice then. We'll let it slide. Right. And I, I appreciate what Ford Performance is doing nowadays. Yes. Because they just kind of pulled out all the stops. It's I like mean, they ca- care about carbon, the consumer. Yeah. Carbon fiber wheels is just, it, it, nobody asked for that. Everything, just, is, everything is a carbon package yeah. from it's, Ford now. Even yeah. a Mustang, you can get on a oh, GT500, yeah. you can get GT350 the GT350 said carbon. Yeah, the 350s or 500s, both? Uh, both. The GT500 okay. carbon package is like $30,000, and that's the wing and the wheels. Well, you're in luck because the dealer markup is probably another 30 grand on top of that anyway so wow that's another that's another topic for another day yeah yeah. (laughs) oh boy so moving on from that show um that auction i guess we went to another show where we had a booth and uh derek i think you're the only one of us that worked the booth this time but we went to the concord in the hills which is in fountain hill arizona uh not a true concord elegance but it was Still a hell of a show. There were cars there that could have definitely been. There were a lot of cars that could have been. And I think that the first, that first section when you first walk in is set up more of a true Concours. I agree. Because they have, you know, true race cars. Cars with with history. Yes. Yep. That were roped off from the public, but were still amazing to look at. I mean, mean, there was a 275 GTB just Mm. sitting on a hill next Mm -hmm. to a 275 um, California Spider long wheelbase. So not quite the car from Ferris Bueller, but. Yeah. Also done a $13 million car because it was a long wheelbase car, but right. still pretty amazing car to see. And all the vintage race cars were real. You had uh, a Lotus 18, um, cars driven by... It was Mario Andretti's yep. 1966 Indianapolis 500 car. Not a winner, but still a participant. Yeah. Uh, the 1984 March chassis prototype car that Mario and Michael Andretti co-drove mm-hmm. in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I mean, that, that's... That's some pretty serious okay, I'm stuff. I'm going to point out the Ford GT that was there. So there was a Mark IV. Yes, Ford true GT, Mark IV red Ford GT. Raced, yep. I don't know what its particular race history was. I assume it was Le Mans. But there was not a plaque around to tell. That's so tough. I don't know a whole lot about the Mark IVs. I, I have to look and see where it was run. Yeah. But it was definitely a race car with race history. It was number four, by the way, for yeah. those listening. Yeah. Red, red four, car, white stripes, number yep. four. Yep. Yeah, Very cool car. Very cool car. Uh, Derek, did you get a chance to walk around much at this show? Uh, I did a little bit, but uh, most of the day I was just working the booth, and then I had okay. to leave at three. But um, you know, speaking of the Ford GTs, uh, you know, we had a 2020 uh, p- parked right in front of the booth, so um, you know, it was not only a great sight to look at, but you know, it got a lot of people, uh, got the attention of a lot of people. And what I I thought was really cool about it was, you know, if if you're familiar with the design, I mean, it's very low, very swoopy, very dramatic, and you know, a lot of European exotic cars get people's attention because they're head turners. And what was really neat about this was this was an American car, you know, with an EcoBoost V6. Parked in that, track mode. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And They're always parked in track mode. With the wing up. Yeah, yeah of course. Always parked in track mode. <laughs> and people just c- couldn't stop looking at it. I mean, kids, adults. I mean, it was, it, as an American, it felt really cool to see a uh, an American car have that effect on people uh, value wise as well right yeah, those cars only appreciated wild. yeah yeah I mean they've what double tripled in they price were, they were 400,000 yeah. was the base price and then from there I think they're all 600 to a million depending on the car 
especially yeah, depending on the editions. depending on the. I'm going to cringe when I say this word, but the spec, spec of which, the vehicle. Can we talk about how nicely spec the one in front of the booth was. Yeah, it, it was, was nice. white with red mirrors. It was perfect. Yeah, it was very nice. It was almost like the super launch editions with the way it had the red it was, mirrors. It was but very, very cool. Very race car. I, it was. It was like it. a heritage edition without being a heritage edition. Correct. I would say. Which I don't yeah. love the heritage edition because most of what? them are the golf colors. Uh, not all of them. Most of them, I seem to think. Most ones I see seem to be golf colors. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm not really versed in the world of cars that I they've, really can't afford. They've added like more heritage paint jobs for every year of the heritage edition. Okay. So the current gen has another brand new livery um, paying homage. When I think Ford GT heritage edition, my brain automatically thinks golf livery. And while yes. I love the golf livery, it's just one of those things that seems to be, I don't know, maybe overdone lately. Uh, yes, it's put on cars that never deserve wore it. a Golf livery. I mean, yes. 100%. If any car deserves it, other than certain rear-engined Porsches, the Ford GT definitely deserves to run the Golf livery. Yes, Because absolutely. of history. Yes. You can't deny it. Of course. But I just think it becomes a it's a harder choice now, I think, because there's so many cool there's, color Yeah, there's so have. many great liveries. I personally really like the black with silver stripes and the gold wheels, you yeah. know? So, like... I, I, I dug the one in front of the booth. The white with red mirrors was a, yes. really, a really clean look. And it's very nice. You don't see a lot of white supercars. No. So no. it's neat to see that. And you, yeah. did, you had just enough pop to it because, yeah, it's white. It's pretty, you know, low-key, but then you have that flash of the red, and then you had, uh, I think it had uh, black and red stripes on it. Um, so it was, you know, kind of under the radar, but then, you know, it had those those pops to it. Sure. We're, we're all used to going to car events and seeing Lamborghinis and chrome wraps, so it's nice to yes. see a subtle one once in a while. With a blue oval on it. Hey, absolutely. Listen, everybody has their thing, and... For somebody, a Lamborghini with a chrome wrap is is their thing. They, good for them. Yeah, but I, I prefer them. something maybe a little more subtle usually than a, a chrome wrapped Lamborghini. Uh, if, if all my only option was a chrome wrapped Lamborghini, I would still take it. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, especially knowing it's a wrap, you can take it right off. <laughs> so I think an important thing to note was this concourse in the hills mm-hmm. was um, it was a charity event. So there mm-hmm. was I think 1,100 cars somewhere in that range. Uh, yes, over, and they, over a thousand, and sure. they raised four hundred and thirty thousand dollars for the Phoenix Children's Hospital, which is pretty amazing. Yes, which not only did they raise four hundred thirty thousand, but they already beat their goal. So they set a, I believe it was a seven-year goal to raise money, okay. right? And this is year number five, and they have cleared past their seven-year goal already. The show is huge. It, it takes the entire park. If anybody listening is familiar with Fountain Hills, Arizona, it's a community built around a man-made lake. And it's a huge lake. I don't even know how big around it is, but it's it's massive. And the Enough show to get your steps in. Yeah, I my GPS on my phone and my and my watch synced together and said that I walked six and a half miles on Saturday. Oh yes, well worth it. Yeah, I, the next day it wasn't, but it was definitely. <laughs> uh, it said I walked six and a half miles around the park, going back and forth and looking at different things and and making my laps. And I didn't even get to the, I guess we'll call it the end of the show until cars were starting to roll out. Mm. So where all the American muscle cars were at the end, I didn't catch all of them because I spent so much time being flabbergasted by other stuff that I was seeing. Like, again, that wasn't the only Ford GT that was there. There were others. There was a McLaren F1. There was a Gullwing Mercedes, all those race cars. Gullwing Mercedes race car. A Gullwing Mercedes race car with actual race history Mm -hmm. from the 50s. There was a Jaguar XKSS. I I already mentioned those Ferraris. There were... There was a D-type. There was a Singer Porsche. There was a Singer, which I apparently didn't see, which is making me upset, but it is what it is. Got to point out the Pagani. 
It was a Pagani Huayra BC, which is the, the, the top spec. I said it again. Yeah. That's twice in one show. I've said spec. Top spec. We're, we're least, bringing you over to the exotic. My least favorite word. Car side. Welcome. I will only use it for exotic cars. I will not use it for plebeian, normal, you and me cars. So We'll change that. Maybe Don't not. worry. Um, there was a row of like 16 Panteras. At least. I don't know that I've ever seen that many Panteras in one place before. and In all different colors. All different colors. And growing up, that was one of my father's like favorite cars. Mm. So it was mine as a kid, too. Just, you know, cover what you know, right? Right. So, and I've never really let go of that because they're so cool and such a cool mix of like they American cool. and Italian. Yes. And they're super neat cars. And to see that many in one place and none of them were taste, taste, tastelessly modified either. They were all pretty pretty subtly nice subtly done either stock or a little bit of modification cars so it was definitely cool to see that yeah i mean if, if panteras are your thing um i think the coolest part about the show is that not only is it around that fountain you mentioned but it's actually a full circle so you can literally walk laps yeah. around the car show and everything yeah. has a theme as you walk through obviously we mentioned the concourse part which is mostly ferraris lamborghinis exotic uh, manufacturers and then it moves to like uh, jdm uh, and then muscle of course and then kind of everything in between especially the fact that there was vipers had a they're just vipers had a good a huge section yep. yeah of just vipers which is not a car i ever really appreciated until more recently i think i think when they first came out you know i was a teenager in the 90s and they were cool but again, it was that I'm a teenager in the 90s. This is not really in my purview. Like, I'm getting my license. I'm going to buy a car. I definitely can't afford it's, a Viper. Yes. So I'm not paying attention anymore. It's not, you're, you're, you're out of that stage where you're a kid and like the Lamborghini Countach is on the wall. Now it's like, oh, a 15-year-old Olds Cutlass is in my price range. Those are really sweet. Let's get <laughs> one of those. So it right. just became kind of, it was hard for me to get into them. And then obviously growing up in the Gran Turismo era, they mm-hmm. were, you know, one of the harder vehicles to drive in the game. So they never really, hard to drive in real life too. They never really became my favorite there, and I just never really appreciated them until more recently. And I definitely am a big fan now of a of a Viper. So that was cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's exactly what you'd expect from that type of American vehicle, right? You go like, okay, what if you know if America was to build an over the top American sports car? You yeah. go giant displacement, big engine. dumb raw yes. car. Yeah, yep. I like it. Exactly. And I say big, dumb, raw with the utmost of respect. (laughs) (laughs) With love in your heart. 100%. Well, so again, to do this again, um, pick one or a few favorite cars you saw at the show. Again, because we had, again, a huge variety. No white Ford GTs. No white Ford GTs. Don't don't worry. There's plenty to pick from. All right, good. Okay. Derek, you want to go first? Uh, Yeah, two two that come to mind um, just in general is... Uh, there were quite a few of the big bodied like 70s Cadillac convertibles and I just I love them they're just the big comfortable land yachts cruise around in them uh, very stylish uh, definitely make a statement mm-hmm. and then uh, you know I know there's always uh, historically they aren't viewed the most favorably just in terms of performance and everything but DeLorean you know, I, mm. there's a, I think there was Which, one guy with two of them there. there two, yeah, two, DeLoreans. two DeLoreans there, one yep. and one Back to the Future car, yep. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think this is one of the things that as this show continues and matures into the podcast we want it to be, that we're going to notice the big difference between myself and maybe Jeff and Derek is our taste in cars. Jeff and I have a lot of similarities. We also have things that we totally disagree about. Specs. Specs. Um, <laughs> 
I don't like the specs of most of his cars. <laughs> um, but Derek has more leans towards luxury cars, which are... I think it's probably fair to say, right? Yeah, I, you know, I used to think that, but um, I mean, they're definitely in there. But the older I get, the more I realize, like, I like a little bit of everything. I'm, you know, it just. It well, just I know you're, big, you're a big like Jaguar fan, and I know you're a huge fan of the 007 movie franchise. Oh yeah. yes. Oh, so yeah. I think that influences a lot of your car love as well. Is the move, the cars from the James Bond franchise are probably probably big in your head. So. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't know where the Cadillac comes from, other than the big luxury car kind of boat thing. But I, I think it'll be interesting to see how our tastes kind of come out into the world as the show goes on. But I mean, who has taste and who doesn't have taste? That's hey, I mean, mean, listen, we we're all friends here. We can judge all we want. But <laughs> well, speak, speaking of judging, um, I, I've got a confession. Um, I mean, you guys knew Uh-oh. I was a car nerd anyway, but. Of in uh, high school, we had to deliver a uh, persuasive speech in our in our uh, speech class, and uh, for some reason, I latched on to and it just ridiculous. Big fan of the Double O Seven movies, and of sure. course, you know he drove a BMW seven fifty IL in Tomorrow Never Dies. Excellent. And yep. for whatever reason, I seized upon the topic of. Uh, why you should buy a seven series and I gave all the specs and everything on it and it was completely <laughs> removed from the reality of high school but of course. Uh, but I, if I remember correctly, like, uh, you know, one of the guys in the audience was, was stunned. And then I think I got an A on it and it was the most ridiculous thing to, to give a speech on. Well, that but it just worked. proves how much of a car guy you are technically, because a lot of my school projects were based on car stuff too. I remember doing book reports and checking out a book about Harley Earl, yes. the GM designer, instead of what everybody else would be doing. One so. of the first books I got was the, uh, you know, you must drive these cars types so, of, yeah. you know, so, 365 cars you must drive type of thing. So this goes way back, basically, yes. yeah, with all of us, which but is, again, deep-rooted to say why we're here. So anyway, what was your favorite car of the week? Okay. At the so, Yeah, this is tough. Um, so me being me, um, and this isn't just Porsche side, I love Singer. Singer, in my opinion, it has the best, you know, reimagined 911 out there, I would say. And so that's what comes sure. to mind immediately. Um, but for wanting to pick a separate car um, and be a little bit different, I guess. Um, also, there's a McLaren F1 there. We should really lead with that. It's that's hard one not of to those, pick that car. Yeah. And it was driven there, by the way. It was not offloaded on yes, the trailer. Yes, you showed me a picture of it driving past you in traffic. Yes. And I was like, oh, I want to see that. What? And Okay, so just to share this story since it's relevant. So as I'm driving there early in the morning, I am following a Delta, Lancet Delta, and a Stratos kit car. And I'm just watching that going, wow, this is really nice. And then I look at my rearview mirror. It doesn't get any better than this. Oh, wait, it's about to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I look at my rearview mirror. First thing I see is a Ford F-150. And I go, oh, okay, well, that's not as exciting as these two rally cars in front of me. Sure. And then I see a very low silhouette car with lights just popping out behind me. And I'm like, man, that thing's like very silvery. It kind of like just blends in. And I was like, wait a minute. What is that car? And I go, is that an F-1 driving? And so I pull over real quick. Sure enough, McLaren F1 just drives by on the road to get to the show. Yeah, I do the same thing. I get yeah. And again, much like we've now proven your car guy credibility, that's your car guy credibility. You pulled over and made yourself later just so you could watch a car and listen to it go by. Yeah. I, that, that's, that's the only a car guy would do. It could not be helped, I don't think. No, just, I, I would have the same thing. I would have tried to get a picture of it going by with my dashboard in the shot just to have like both of them together. 
So depending <laughs> yeah. on what I was driving, I guess if I was driving something interesting or exciting or I really cared about, but yeah, that would have been cool. No, that makes that makes total sense. So is that your favorite car of the show then? Uh, okay, mm, no. For whatever reason, I'm spacing it. Um, so I'll just point out another interesting car that was there. Sure. Uh, the Hennessy F5 Venom, which is not actually being sold yet, hasn't even done their top speed record yet, was there as well. Interesting. And a really cool gold that. color. Was it with the Love Vipers? Huh? Was it with the no, Love Vipers? No, it was in the Look at Me section, which had the 177 uh, McLaren Elva. Um, what else did they have there? A Ferrari LaFerrari. Okay. Which is... I must have missed that entire section. There must have been some old piece of garbage that drew my attention away from it somehow. Uh, That's generally how I go. Jeff, I got to ask you, though. La Ferrari, was it in resale red? Uh, No, it was a black car of all things. Super cool. Which, fun fact, if you ever see a La Ferrari in person, if you look at the Vindag, it says hybrid vehicle on it due to the drivetrain interesting yeah very interesting yeah i didn't i didn't see that whole section now i'm very disappointed i can't believe you didn't see it it was i did six off. and a half miles and i missed that whole section yeah pretty crazy I, Dang. oh and there was a uh iso revolta uh the zagato. sedan uh no sorry the zagato okay two-door thing there was one. an iso sedan there too like a 76 and it was oh, really big and dumb and awesome yeah yeah they just had every kind of like an overgrown uh maserati quattroport yeah. So probably some, probably, I bet some shared architecture, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I could oh, be totally wrong the on Cobra that. Cobra R, probably. That was very cool. Oh, you don't, yeah. You just don't yeah. see those. The 2000 Cobra R. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. I saw very it driving away. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I just couldn't stop looking at it. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I've seen, you know, we've all seen a million Mustangs. I've never mm-hmm. seen one of those in person. Yeah. Because they only made what? A couple 300. Hundred, 300 of them? Yep. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty rare for sure. Very rare. So I would say I had two favorites I'll pick. Uh-huh. Um, one, Achievable. Oh and one kind of stratospherically priced. So I mentioned earlier in the show there was a 275 GTB. Yes. In yellow. Oh, God. And that was good. I would never have chosen it if you put it in my brain and said, pick your perfect color 275 GTB. It would probably be silver. It wouldn't be yellow. That's a good point. There was another 60s Ferrari there. Uh, yeah, there was a. Yeah, there was. But I don't know what it was, top of my head. Um, the 275 GTB in bright yellow with the chrome baranis mm-hmm. and the like biscuit tan leather interior yep. it was just it was perfect there's no it was perfect i would if i had all the money in the world that's the car i would have driven home i wouldn't have taken the mclaren f1 i'm sorry i love them but there's just something about a 60s ferrari i can't ignore as far as attainable cars at the show cars that are like if i scrimped and saved for the next decade or so i might be able to afford there was a uh lancia fulvia Yes. And I've, I'm a big fan of rally cars. I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of where my Mitsubishi love comes from, actually, yep. going back to the beginning. The Dodge Colts were all either Mitsubishi Galants or Lancers in the rest of the country, the rest of the country, the rest of the world. And they were pretty dominating rally cars. So I've always just been drawn to cars that were rallied in a stock bodied form. Mm-hmm. And the, the Lancia Fulvia is one of those. Uh, they're a front-wheel drive car, so they're not what you would normally pick as an enthusiast car, but they're supposedly one of the best handling front-wheel drive cars ever built. Uh, they have a V4, which is interesting as well. Yes. Not an inline four, but a V4, so that's weird. So they're just, they're obscure. Lance, it was a weird company. They're obscure. They're different. Everything about the car is, like, super delicate. Like, it's got very thin pillars and very thin mirrors and it's very thin very shifter and very thin, everything's just thin and delicate and the opposite of things that I'm used to in cars, but they're just really cool looking because they have a really tall greenhouse, big glass, fairly low slung body, and just the, they're just cool looking. That like 
cut cam back rear on them is really neat looking. The curved back glass is really cool looking. Mm-hmm. And I just I can't all the little details of those cars. And it wasn't an HF. The HF is an unattainable vehicle. Those are the <laughs> aluminum bodied ones. So this is just a, a steel bodied regular Fulvia. And it was it was super cool. And if I had to choose a car that was somewhere in the range of somebody who's a normal middle class human could afford, that would be the one that I would pick from the show. So. And speaking of Fulvias and going back to being a corporate shell, we actually had one on AutoHunter.com. We, we had a white one. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it did not sell, though. Didn't quite get there. But still a cool car. It's waiting for you, Brad. It is waiting for me. Another couple of years, and they'll save that money, like I said. Two to ten years, it shall be mine. <laughs> Two to ten years. That's All right. That's fine. <laughs> He's playing the long game. Yeah, I won't look too far into that. No, don't. Don't, don't call me on that either. And in ten years, if I haven't bought it, then I'm sorry. So I think I want to wrap up the show today um, with a quick, what's your pick for what's live on the site this week? Am I? Ooh, uh, I've got, no, I've got two that come to mind immediately. Sure. Um, so I guess just to start going into that, um, first, because it's the first time we've run something like this, there is a fire truck on the site and it okay. is bright yellow and it's just for the sake of, you know, I don't know about you guys, but have I seen fire trucks? Like, like I grew up in a small town, so like during the small, you know, car show things that would happen, you'd occasionally see fire trucks show up for certain events, right? Sure so thing. it's like, oh yeah, fire trucks. But how often do you think about, oh yeah, who buys and sells fire trucks? And so for me, it's like seeing them come up for sale. You're like, ah, look at this, we're selling a fire truck. So I'm very it's definitely much like interesting. Fire truck. Yes. It's like a childhood dream, right? Every, yeah. every kid wants to drive a fire truck. I, I think that's exactly They might what it not is. want to be a firefighter, but they just want to drive a fire truck. Right, right. And so for that reason, it had to say the fire truck just because it's the first time running one and it's a fire truck. Sure. Derek, you got a pick? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few on there. Uh, we got the uh, 2002 uh, Trans Am WS6 convertible, but uh, of the ones that are live right now, and we're recording this on a Monday, the one that really stands out to me is the uh, 1955 Studebaker President Speedster. Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, yep. great lines. And then this particular one, it has such an unusual color combination. It's like gray and pink. Yeah, I almost wouldn't call it pink, pink, though, because people or think coral, pink. right? Yeah. yeah you, you, people here think, and you think like hot pink, like Barbie Corvette pink, but it's not that kind of pink. It's a very... Very yeah, soft. Cor- coral is a good word well, for yeah, it. Like very pastel yeah. yes, color. Yes, in the same way that Thunderbirds had like 85 it's different a, shades of pink. Yeah, it's a yeah. very similar to a 50s Thunderbird color. And those Studebakers are one of my favorite cars of all time. Oh, yeah. Just because oh, they're yeah. they're so useless and dumb. They're a giant car that seats four. It is four, a good-looking car. But they're gorgeous. And there's no other. There's, there's no reason for them to exist, but they do. And mm-hmm. because they do, I've always loved them. Um, yes. And they've been involved in a couple of my favorite racing events in the past really a bunch of them have run at bonneville because they're very sleek mm-hmm. so they do make very, very good sleek. bonneville cars um and if you're familiar with the la carrera panamericana there's a few, few of them have been converted to la carrera panamericana race cars which is hmm. super cool race spec would you say i was going to say it and i didn't and then you brought it up and now i'm mad at you and you're off the podcast <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Um, (laughs) My favorite car this week, and it's way out of left field, um, only because it's got so much potential, um, is a 54 Mercury Monterey sedan. Really? Because I am, I've I've always said that someday, somehow, I'm going to have some kind of 1950s 
cruiser and I'm just going to lower it real low and put the right set of wheels and the right set of lake pipes on it. This car already has lake pipes. It definitely does not have the right set of wheels yet, but that would be my first improvement. Uh, it needs a little work. It's a project, um, but I want it. <laughs> Yeah, so I think we're doing a very good job of establishing where our interests are um, in terms of being um, all over the place, I guess. And yeah, because I've owned nothing but mostly import cars for the other than my Camaro for the past, I don't know, 15 years. Yeah. And in the back of my head, I've always been, I want a big, big old American car just on slammed on the ground on the right wheels and that like 50s custom look. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot yeah. actually with all the various or a big sixties car, a big sixties car way down on the ground with a set of Astro Supremes and Bellflower pipes at the bottom of the quarter panels. The, right. that look is just it's perfect. It's the perfect like Phoenix cruiser. By the way, just to follow up to my fire truck real quick. What makes it even better, I think, is that it's a nineteen seventy one fire truck. Okay. So it's an international harvester. And I think obviously vintage stuff is always cool. Sure. And so I just wanted to, I don't think I called it out by name, but I figured I'd revisit it that way. So. I mean, if somebody went to the website and they put fire truck into search, they would definitely find it. Yeah. It's no, not, that's it's not yeah, common that we I, sold a fire truck. I think this hard. might be our first fire truck, actually. You, you, well, you know, I think it might be next to the Speedster. Um, the silhouettes are very similar, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's easy so, yeah. to confuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, yeah. I just I just typed uh, fire truck into our search and it is the only one that comes up. So it is the first that really? we sold. It's also neat that it's yellow. It's not yeah. the traditional red yes, fire not truck. Yes, a red fire truck. So, and it's it's you know it's got all the things that a vintage car should have: tons of polish, aluminum, and chrome. And everything works on it. Excellent. Yeah. So you could become like a fly by night firefighter and just if, drive around looking for fires. Yeah. And cosplay. Well, <laughs> or if you own 150 acres somewhere and you just need that type of sure. self-reliance, boom, we've got, and you you'd covered. be the first phone call for every school in town. When the parade comes down. Uh, oh yeah. You, yeah, you would. Yeah. yeah that's all the exactly kids hanging out the back throwing it's, the candy. Look, yeah. Look at all that flat real estate on top of that, where you could have people sitting there the throwing things off roses. Can't uh, you could, yes, you could have a whole band. Excellent. You're selling the fire truck so. to me. You're selling the yeah, fire truck. That's maybe, right. That's what I'm here for. I want it. You, Maybe now yeah, I should slam the fire truck on Astro Supreme with Bellflower. Yeah. <laughs> Slaps roof fire truck. Yeah. Anyway, to, to, to wrap things up today, guys, uh, just a reminder, we are the Drive the Bid podcast. We are brought to you by AutoHunter.com. AutoHunter.com is an online auction platform. We've talked about that ad nauseum today. We can be found on AutoHunter.com on the internet, on Instagram at AutoHunter, and on Facebook also at facebook.com backslash auto hunter. I'm not super familiar with Instagram. Search so auto yeah. hunter on Facebook and it will come up. We'll we are double check on the that social for platforms. For sure. yep. Yes. We are everywhere. You can find us. If you use social media, I guarantee you will probably be there. So maybe not TikTok yet. Yeah. Even, even if you're not interested in buying a vehicle at this moment, there's lots of cool varieties of stuff that comes through. And then whether it's following us on Instagram to check out yep. just what comes through the feed or even just checking out to see what the vehicles are selling for on the site. It's absolutely worth yeah, checking out. A lot out, of the stuff has some really neat photography and it's mm-hmm. neat just to see the oh, cars. Absolutely. And, and the articles that Derek and his team write are, again, that's how you learn about stuff. That's how we became car guys. We read magazines and mm-hmm. took everything in growing up. So. Exactly. Um, one last time around the horn. Derek, they can find you at There Will Be Cars. Yes, There Will Be Cars. Jeff, you are Jalopy Jeff. I am Jalopy Jeff, yeah, on mostly the video platforms, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. And they can find me at TSISS350 on Instagram or anywhere they want to listen to other podcasts. They can find my Auto Off Topic podcast. So that's all, guys. Have an excellent day, and we'll chat with you later.